During this time when many people are seeking online satsangs, I thought I would put together a program of selected quotes from many different Santmat masters, a wide variety of sources and spiritual classics spanning the centuries. Living quotes from the 21st century, quotes from recent masters and masters from many centuries ago, some gorgeous spiritual quotes about the journey of the soul. Welcome to the Santmat Satsang Podcast, a production of Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean. One of my all-time favorite quotes from Swami Santseviji Maharaj on inner light and sound meditation. The experience of the divine light and divine sound, or the arms of God, which embrace the aspirant who practices them, as a child is embraced by the two arms of his father. On this path of the Masters, being influenced by a competent living teacher who has spent many successful years in meditation and who has been honestly approved or accredited, if you will, by his teacher, is the goal. The essential reason for having a spiritual teacher is not to worship the personality of the teacher, but to learn from them the methods of spiritual practice. The living teacher preserves the methods of meditation and passes that knowledge and experience on to the next generation. A good spiritual master also motivates his or her students to practice meditation and lead an ethical life. A great description of what living masters do for their students is found in the Gospel of Thomas, actually, unearthed in Egypt. Variations of this saying have turned up in many different sources, east and west. The mystery of saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas, a saying about what the eye has not typically seen and what human ears don't usually hear. The Master said, I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no hand has touched, and what has never occurred to the human mind. That saying turns up again in a Manichaean scripture from Central Asia. That I may redeem you from death and annihilation, I will give you what you have not seen with the eye, nor heard with the ears, nor grasped with the hand. A quote from the Turfan Fragments, translated in the book Gnosis on the Silk Road. The 10th century Persian Sufi master Al-Jalani quotes an interesting passage from the Quran in his spiritual classic in the Sufi tradition called Concerning the Affirmation of Divine Oneness. 
I have prepared for my righteous servants that which no eye has ever seen, of which no ear has ever heard, and of which has never occurred to the heart of man. Thou hast showed us that which the eye has not seen, and caused us to hear that which the human ear has not heard. Thou hast freed us from death, and united us with life, released us from darkness, and united us with light. Thou hast shown us that which the eye has not seen, and caused us to hear that which the human ear has not heard. A quote from the canonical prayer book of the Mandaeans. There is an axiom of wisdom found in many world scriptures about exploring inner space, the kingdom of God, spiritually or mystically with new eyes and hearing spiritually with new ears. This saying about seeing what no physical eye has seen and what no material ear has heard appears in many ancient scriptures of the West and the East. Visionary mysticism, inner seeing and hearing are universal experiences of contemplative souls. Living spiritual masters teach their students how to see and hear spiritually initiating them into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. Within the human body, with eyes closed during meditation, there are different kinds of light, stars, moons and suns, dark voids, lights within lights, visions within visions, like a tunnel. And beyond these is brilliant light, like the noonday sun, but the blind leading the blind will never speak of these things. Only the masters, only the mystics are interested in mysticism. The following is a reading from Spiritual Consciousness and Exploration of Consciousness, a quote from Agyem Prasad Mathur of Agra on the spiritual journey of this path of Santmad, this path of the Masters. Spiritual Consciousness and Explanation Spiritual Consciousness is to explore the knowledge of the Spirit and its origin or reservoir through intuitive realization. The proper course of attaining higher levels of spiritual consciousness for a sincere lover of the Supreme Being, according to Huzur Maharaj, the second master of the Radhaswami faith, is to, quote, acquire knowledge of the secrets and the order of creation and the means of traversing the distance between his dwelling in the body, the pupil of the eye, in other words, the third eye center, access during meditation, and the abode of the Supreme Being, the prime source of everything, and to start on his journey with fervor and perseverance with the avowed object of reaching the presence of the Most High and Beloved Supreme Father. 
list of some of the names of the great masters of this path of the masters. Some of the masters of the ages. Hail to the saints. Hail to the saints. Rumi once said, if you seek to know God, sit at the feet of the saints. This is a quote from Sant Dian Esfar of Maharashtra. May showers of grace ever bring blessings. May all who seek come to know the ever-ongoing line of mystics, lovers of the Supreme Being, who come to the world. This is from Jan Gopal, disciple of Sant Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan, about this path of the masters. I bow before the immaculate divine Goswami, or supreme being. Through my guru's favor, I have been given all purity. I greet all the saints. Through their devotion, I drink the nectar of God. There is no end to the number of saints who have appeared in the yugas or epochs of Sat, Trita, Drapara, and Kali Yuga. I sing of the celebrated one I have heard of and bow my head to all the others. The one he heard of had a personal encounter with, of course, was his own spiritual master, Dadu Dayal. The names of some of the perfect and true saints, sods and fakirs who have manifested themselves during the past 700 years are Kabir Sahib, Tulsi Sahib, Jagjawan Sahib, Garab Das, Poltu Sahib, Guru Nanak, Dadu Sahib, Tulsi Das, Nabhaji, Swami Hari Das, Sir Das, and Rai Das, also known as Ravi Das. And some of the Muslim names are Shams of Tabriz, Mulana Rumi, Hafiz, or Hafez, Sarmad, and Sunni. A perusal of their writings would give an idea of their spiritual attainments. That's a passage from Sarbachan Radhaswami Prose, Book 1, a summary of the teachings of Swamiji Maharaj, authored by Hazur Maharaj, Raisalagram, a list of some of the great saints of the ages. Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras in his spiritual classic Gat Ramayan also has a list of some of the great saints of the ages that he highly esteemed. I have given out the same true secrets which saints like Kabir Sahib, Dadu Sahib, Raidas Ji, Darya Sahib, Guru Nanak, Surdas Ji, Nabhaji, and Mirabai have spoken of. They too have composed similar hymns describing the bliss of the highest spiritual region whose glory I also have sung, blessed by the grace and the dust of the holy feet of saints.
Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan says, The name of God is my sect. My way of living is control of the senses. For my deeds watch my disciples. Their goal is to be immersed in God. This is a passage from Samarth Ramdas, selections from his spiritual classic, the Das Bodh or Das Bodhi. This knowing has grown as my mind has digested the Master's teachings. Try to understand what can't be understood. Try to see what can't be seen. Try to know what can't be known. Think clearly and see that this is the way. What is hidden, let it be revealed. What is unattainable, try to attain it. What is difficult to study, study it slowly. Reveal the hidden, the unseen, the subtle. The following is from Swami Vyasanand's new book, which you can find at Amazon as a Kindle ebook, The Inward Journey of the Soul, published a couple of years back in the English language. The Traveler of the Inner Subtle Path. Those who are constantly immersed in Devotion to the divine are aligned with the truth. Those souls immersed in the elixir of truth and devotion are known as sants, verbally described as mystics, prophets, and masters. Sants focus on spiritual qualities and are seers of the reality of consciousness. They taste the divine joy. The path followed by all the saints and their teachings is given the name Santmat. In the text, he spells it as one word, S-A-N-T-M-A-T. But in the West, it's often spelled as two words, Santmat, meaning the teachings or point of view of the saints or the saints, those great souls that have merged in God and are therefore a kind of co-worker in the divine plan or reflection of God in the physical plane. Swami Vyasanand. From times immemorial, numerous saints have appeared on earth. These saints were born in different countries and of different social classes, spoke different languages, and were of different gender and ethnicities. However, the underlying principle or the truth of their teachings has always been essentially one. In spite of the variance in their origins, the goal of the saints is one, realization of the divine and the attainment of the state of absolute joy and peace. Having considered the perennial wisdom found in their teachings, we can say with certainty that the underlying teachings of saints are essentially in agreement. The question arises, 
What is this essential teaching? The answer is the divine reality is one, and the path to realize that reality is within each of us. The path is not found in the nine gates, i.e. through the sensory organs of the body, but only through the tenth gate, the third eye, or spiritual eye. The body cannot tread this path, only the inner consciousness, along with the mind, intellect, and ego principle can travel this path. However, during the last and final stages of the inner spiritual path, the consciousness alone journeys and reaches the divine. This path is very subtle. Sant Mehi described it as being more subtle than even the point of a needle. Sants unanimously agree that the path of the divine can be taken up by any human being belonging to any caste, social status, gender, ethnicity, or country. To say that the path to the divine can only be accessed by individuals with certain specific abilities or aptitudes is going against the teachings of the scriptures and the saints. Many saints like Sant Tulsi Das Goswami Lakshminath Paramhans, Sant Kabir Sahib Sirdas Ji, Sant Tukaram Ji, and Sri Maharishi Mehi unanimously pronounce that all human beings, irrespective of gender, age, occupation, and race, have an equal right to follow the inner path to the divine. This view is verifiable by the fact that many saints and sages, including Sant Kabir, Sant Ravidas, Sant Garabdas, were born in lower castes and in the lower strata of their society. Sant Tulsi Das emphasizes that physical conditions, including birth in lower caste, poverty, and a lack of bodily beauty, do not inhibit the progress of the soul. Saints declare that we are all children of the one being, God. This divine being is all compassionate and generous and does not have preference for any persons on the basis of their birth, class, or gender. However, there are certain disciplines all seekers must follow in order to tread this inner path to realize the divine. According to Maharishi Mehi Paramhans, there are a number of necessary observances required to tread the spiritual path. Observances. One, complete faith in the one divine being. Two, determination to realize the divine within. Three, service or siva to the master. Four, satsang, association of the saints and the study of scriptures. And five, steadfast meditation. Prohibitions, use of intoxicants, practice of adultery, lying, stealing, violence, causing suffering to other beings, including the eating of the flesh of animals. Those are some precepts given by Swami Vyasanand in his book, 
A contemporary Saint-Mat book published a couple years back in the English language called The Inward Journey of the Soul, which is a wonderful book all about this path of the masters that appeared at Amazon a couple years back and is a Kindle e-book. And I believe there are hard copies of the book in English available through his website. Hail to the Sants, the Narguna Bhakti Sants of India. This is a hymn of Maharishi Mehi Paramhans from the Book of Padavali. The Padavali is Maharishi Mehi Paramhans's collection of mystic hymns. Composed not during the 19th century or the 18th century or 17th century, but the 20th century. Great praise to all the saints. In which manner will one pray to them? My mind is so very tarnished and inexperienced. Saints being the destroyers of sorrows do away with worldly traps. They are the treasure troves of knowledge and meditation. Highly proficient in the techniques of single-minded concentration and the yoga of sound, they propagate the same in plain language all over the world. Great are the sages and saints like Buddha, Shankar, and Ramanand. Sacrifice to the magnificent saints like Kabir, Nanak, Goswami Tulsidas, and Tulsi Sahib. Dadu, Sundardas, Sirdas, Ravidas, Jagjavan, Paltu, etc. They are all great benefactors, delivering human beings from the fears of the world. Satguru Devi, as in Baba Devi Sahib, and other saints are also highly adorable. Maharishi Mehi sings their magnificence and bows at their sacred feet with faith and love. More on the saints. This is from Sant Dadu Dayal of Rajasthan. Saints are the true redeemers. They make one see the Creator face to face. Having themselves crossed the ocean of the world, they take others across. They are the liberators of souls. of the Masters, Julian P. Johnson. The world has never been without a living master. Beneath all other impelling forces in the creation, spirituality is the primary cause. That and that alone is the driving force that always leaps up to join its source. In every living being, from 
tiny plants up to man, the spiritual flame of life is struggling upward and onward toward its source of being. And this process and this struggle must go on until the last speck of dust returns to the central fires of infinite being. The message of the Masters fills the world with hope, and at the same time it offers a rational foundation for such hope. It not only tells people what they should do, but it offers them a definite method of doing it. In the march of the ages, cycle after cycle, on every planet where human beings reside, the great masters are the light bearers of that world. Until the end of the ages, they will remain the friends and saviors of those who struggle toward the light. The divine spark in each one, always struggling for freedom, striving hard against adverse currents, reaches out a feeble hand toward the Master. In great kindness, the Master takes that hand, unclean though it may be. After that, it may require years of patient hard work to build up the character, to strengthen the will, and throw off the evil passions. Julian P. Johnson, Path of the Masters. of a living spiritual path. Seven Gnostic Sant-Mat parallels I put together a while back. In the Corpus Hermeticum and Nag Hammadi scriptures are or were described all of the ingredients of a living, viable, mystic path. And so I take this opportunity to describe the teachings of Sant-Mat by sharing these parallels with earlier schools of mystics. One, living masters, living teachers with students, past masters, scrolls, cuneiform tablets, or old scriptures are not enough. A living guide is required. Two, a cosmology of several heavens, inner regions, planes, or spheres is part of the teachings. Three, an understanding that souls can access these realms here and now, during this present life. In other words, a present tense kingdom of heaven available to souls right now. Not a spirituality postponed till some magical date on a calendar or hypothesized future age. Right now, in this living present, Four, an initiation is offered into the mysteries of the heavens. Imparted to seekers are the meditation techniques and sacred names. This, of course, again reminds me of saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. Five, visionary and auditory mysticism. Speaking of that, inner light and sound, spiritual seeing spiritual or transcendental hearing, descriptions of souls traveling within through various inner regions. Six, 
They have an ethical code, and this ethical foundation includes a vegetarian or vegan diet, then and now. The Gnostics were vegetarians, see the Nag Hammadi book, The Prayer of Thanksgiving. And point number seven, shared amongst uh, the mystics of the ages, including contemporary Santmat. The goal of the teachings and meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God. I've been studying the writings of Hazur Maharaj Vaisalagram Bahadur for many years. I'm greatly influenced by him. And this is a reading about finding divine grace. Discovering a greater level of perception through meditation practice. This is a good description of Santmat meditation done correctly in a spirit of love and devotion or bhakti. The current of Radhaswami Dayal's grace is ever-flowing, but its effect will not be perceptible unless the current of the devotee's spirit and mind touches it or mingles with it. This will only be possible when the mind and the spirit get engaged in the meditation practices with a spirit of yearning and love. The term Radhaswami, as in Radhaswami Dayal, is referring to the merciful, compassionate Lord of the soul. Dayal is referring to compassion and mercy. And Radhaswami means Lord of the Soul. And more about this spirit of yearning and love. The feeling or sentiment of love in separation, pangs of separation from the Beloved, an intense longing to meet the Supreme Father, deep yearning. And that definition of yearning is found in the book Glossary of the Radhaswami Faith. And the glossary of the Radhaswami faith, as well as most of the available online writings of Hazur Maharaj, Raiselagra, are at the Radhaswami section of my Santmat e-library. Scroll down to see the link to that below. A disciple and successor of Swamiji Maharaj, Hazur Maharaj, Raiselagra, was the first great prolific writer in recent Santmat history, creating an encyclopedia of Radhaswami, a six-volume set called Prem Patra Radhaswami, which means, if you translate that into English, the love discourses about the Lord of the soul. He also authored the very first Santmat book in English near the beginning of the 20th century called Radhaswami Mat Prakash, which means light on the teachings of the Lord of the soul. And he wrote many other satsang discourses as well, including a book for initiates only called Jagat Prakash, which means light on the methods 
of The Lord of the Soul, mostly about meditation practice. A guide for practitioners of Surichab Yoga. Most of these writings you'll find online these days at archive.org. This is titled The Way of Love, or Bhakti. Sufis describe five levels of devotion or love. We were just talking about love or bhakti as the correct way to approach meditation practice. And this is also true of Simran, the repetition of sacred names. Rather than being a dry, boring rosary of the mind, it's calling out to one's beloved with love and devotion. That is how bhakti this path is. Surat Shab Yoga is also a kind of bhakti yoga at the same time. The following is from the teachings of Swami Vyasanand from the Inward Journey of the Soul on the way of love or bhakti. Five levels of devotion, each one getting slightly closer to the Supreme Being, each one getting slightly closer to the higher planes. The first way of love, number one, not a genuine love. The mind is always contemplating matters of mundane attainments, but with the body outwardly some virtuous deeds are done. Even though it's of the lowest kind with sporadic acts of service, the mind would eventually turn to God. Number two, the body is involved in spiritual acts and there is an effort on the devotee's part to attach the mind to God. That's number two, a little better, a little closer. Three, both the mind and the body are engaged in meditation. However, due to material attachments, the devotee's mind becomes distracted and is engaged in immoral actions. Upon realization of this deviation, the devotee immediately recognizes the error and seeks to correct it. So there's some imperfection there, welcome to the human race, but there is a desire to change for the better. Course correction sometimes are required. Number four, the devotee loves the Supreme Being with his mind, heart, and soul, and longs for the divine like a fish out of water, yearns for water. He does not care about food, sleep, the company of others, and does not wish for anything other than God. Sometimes in yearning for the divine, he swoons. There are many stories of saints who become unconscious, struck by divine love. True devotees become unconcerned with bodily needs and do not worry about loss or gain. They are unaffected by the news of death or birth of their loved ones even. They are not jealous of others' progress, nor do they worry about criticism or honor and dishonor. Because of their state of ecstasy and carelessness to worldly conventions, others think of such devotees as crazy, but in this state they enjoy the bliss of God, who is the ocean of love. The devotees have a single focus, and that is to see God. All other longings vanish from their hearts. And there's a stage beyond that, the fifth point, according to Swami Vyasanand, the fifth level of bhakti. Number five, in this type of love, the devotee becomes like the beloved, 
God. The soul is an inseparable part of the divine. And through devotion, it becomes divine, just as ice is made up of water. After melting, becomes water. This kind of devotion leads to the union of the soul and the supreme soul, God. Now we see here, with these five levels of bhakti, uh, correspondence with inner regions, you know, like the astral, the causal, the mental, the the uh, ethereal, and then the fifth level, or Satchkan, Satlok, where there is merger with God. So these five levels of bhakti represent five levels of distance and nearness to the Supreme Being, and I can't help but notice that they also seem to correspond with the inner planes and is another way of describing the ascension of the soul through the various realms. And then number five, by no coincidence, is merging back into the Supreme Being at the highest level. Bhakti, love and devotion. Those who believe and follow these divinely inspired teachings as taught by Narada, will achieve the goal of being one with the Beloved. Follow these teachings and become one with the Beloved. That's a quote from the Bhakti Sutras of Narada, a great spiritual classic in India, the Narada Bhakti Sutras, all about the steps and stages of love, the love aspect of spirituality. And as I mentioned earlier, Simran practice, the repetition of sacred names, is to be done in a loving sort of way. It's fascinating that what we conceive the names to be as we repeat them in meditation determines their effect upon our consciousness. So if a mantra repetition is this dry, boring, automatic rosary sort of thing, then we end up going to a kind of dry, boring realm, if you will. But if it's calling out to our beloved, well, that's an entirely different area code, isn't it? That's an entirely different realm, a different effect upon one's consciousness. It's interesting to take note of that. The many names of the nameless God, or Anami, a history of Simran practice in the Sant tradition. The nameless God has been given many names over the centuries. There are countless divine names used as mantras or sacred words of remembrance in various schools of spirituality. In the Satsang or Sangyat of Dadu Dayal, that sacred name of God at the highest level is Satya Ram, or true eternal Ram, the true God. The true God, Satya Ram. The name Ram was very frequently mentioned in the hymns of Guru Kabir, Sant Nam Dev, and other classic Sants of India. Some receive a single name, others a longer Guru mantra phrase. Some are given the five names, or Panchnam, consisting of five holy names of God. These are revealed at the time of initiation into Sant Mat, or Sirt Shabd meditation. These same five names have been used for centuries in certain branches of Sant Mat connected with 
Kabir and Sant Dharamdas, Sant Darya Sahib of Bihar, Sant Tulsi Sahib, and Sant Radhaswami Sahib, also known as Swamiji Maharaj of Agra. Others have been given five Sufi names of God at the time of their initiation. These five Sufi names have the same essential meaning as the five Indian names used in some forms of Sant Mat, and as with the Indian names, also correspond to five basic inner regions or heavens. It's interesting, in one of the Jewish Gnostic paths of antiquity, a group called the Sethians, a form of Jewish mysticism not all that different from Kabbalah in some ways, there was also a five-named or panch-nam mantra approach, only with five Hebrew names that have been found embedded in various Coptic texts of Egypt. In different branches of Sant Mat, you have different mantras given, sometimes secret names, like the five names, only revealed at the time of initiation. Others receive a public domain name, like Satyaram or Radhaswami. The mantras may vary from place to place, but their purpose remains the same. Becoming centered in God, remembering God by repeating or chanting his name or names. One of the most essential teachings of the masters to repeat the name or names arriving into this world while here and when exiting out of the third eye center into the world of the beyond. Simran is one of the greatest spiritual practices of the masters. The following is from Sant Eknath of Maharashtra. Repeat the name during this life and beyond. Sing the name and all your work will get done. This, the essence of all methods, will take you to the far shore. The name has liberated many, even the greatest offenders. So grand the name, yet so little effort it takes. Happiest of all are those who always repeat the name. The name is the essence. Know this fact to be true. The name takes troubles away. The bad deeds leave on their own. Whoever repeats the name, says Eknath, knows happiness now and liberation for eternity. Also from Sant Eknath of Maharashtra, In all you do, practice Simran. Whatever you're doing, giving or taking, laughing or playing, singing or eating, keep repeating the name. With your every action, keep calling God. Alone or with others, fighting or grinding grain, moving or sitting, keep calling Him. At the end, when leaving your body, keep saying His name, says Eknath. The last part of that mystic poem of Eknath reminds me a bit of a section of the Bhagavad Gita that talks about 
exiting the body by way of the third eye center, remembering God on the way out. And of course, those who continuously repeat names of God as part of their spiritual practice, not only during meditation, but during free moments of the day and the night, they're always doing this mental repetition of names of God and keep recentering, refocusing on God as a way to remember God. They're so used to doing that, they indeed may very well exit the body at the end of their life, repeating the name. It's a practice they've been doing their whole life and have grown accustomed to it. This is titled, When Simran Goes On By Itself, by Santji, also known as Ajeb Singh. And it's found in a book called The Light of Ajeb. Ajeb Singh, or Santji, a huge treasure trove of wisdom compiled from many different issues of Sant Bani magazine. Much of it represents Q&A sessions with initiates attending various satsang retreats. It's got a lot of wisdom. I would rate that book as one of the most interesting of Sant Mat books, right up there with Nam or Word by Kripal Singh, the Sarbachan of Swamiji, Philosophy of Liberation by Maharishi Mehi. You know, a, a, a real go-to source of wisdom. The Spiritual Seeker's Guide is another one. Just books that are extra special because they're so huge and offer so much wisdom. When the Simran Goes On By Itself by Santji. Simran, of course, being a term for repetition of sacred names of God for the purpose of remembering God, recentering whenever you start to drift, your concentration drifts in meditation. And it's a practice you can do, a spiritual exercise you can do anywhere, anytime. You have a free moment during the day or during the night as a way to recenter, to refocus, to spiritualize. It's a kind of meditation on the fly that you can do to make life, the waking state, anywhere, anytime, spiritual, to be recentered upon God. When the Simran goes on by itself, by Santji. At the time of the initiation, when the instructions are read to you, it is said that you should not repeat the Simran when you are doing the bhajan practice, listening to the inner sound practice. Because you cannot do two things at one time. You can do only one thing at a time. That is why it is said that you should not repeat the Simran when sitting for bhajan. But this is only for the beginners. This is only for the beginners. In the beginning, because you don't know Simran and you have not developed the habit of doing constant Simran, that is why you are told to not make any effort to do Simran when sitting in the bhajan practice, listening for the inner sound. But gradually you should develop the habit of doing, doing Simran as the thoughts are coming in your within. You see, the thoughts are coming in your within without your making any effort, and you are not even conscious of the speed of the thoughts, whether they are coming quickly or slowly. They come without any effort. In the same way, you should develop the habit of doing the Simran, and you should replace those thoughts with Simran, just as breathing is going on in your within, and you are not even aware of it. You don't make any effort. It just goes on by itself. In the same way, you should do so much Simran that the Simran should go on within you 
by itself, and you should not be aware whether it is going slowly or quickly. If you will develop the habit of doing this type of Simran, then you will see what power Simran has, and then you will realize how much you are getting from doing that kind of Simran. And when you have perfected your Simran in that way, then you will not have to make any effort to do the Simran either when sitting in the Bhajan practice or in the Simran practice. It will go on by itself. When you will perfect your Simran in this way, then as soon as you will sit for meditation, your thoughts and your attention will be collected at the eye center, and you will start hearing the sound current without plugging your ears. Now, no doubt you hear the sound current when you sit for the bhajan practice, but that sound does not pull you up. This is only because the lack of Simran. This is only because of the lack of Simran. If you will complete the needed amount of Simran while doing your other work, if you do the Simran while walking, talking, and doing other things, then your course of Simran will be completed. And then, when you sit for meditation... Your attention will go straight to the eye center and the light will pull you up. A reading from The Light of Ajeb, The Light of Santji, a huge treasure trove of wisdom compiled from many issues of Sant Bani magazine on, in this case, Simran practice. In terms of Sant Mat meditation, Simran is the first step, the repetition of sacred names done mentally. It's also referred to as mana's job, mental repetition. And then there's dhyan, visualization of the form of the master, or seeing inner light, contemplating the inner light that blossoms forth in the darkness. And then, of course, finally, bhajan, hearing the sound that manifests itself from the other side of silence. Out of the silence comes the divine sound. But Simran practice not only is for meditation only, it's whenever you have free moments, you know, day and night. And if you've done Simran enough, you, you might even have that experience of noticing that the words are sort of going on by themselves within you automatically much of the time. Underneath the surface of your, of your, of your thoughts, the, these names are just going on by themselves. Perhaps you've even had that experience. And he is saying here, of course, and has said in other, in other parts uh, of his uh, teachings, other sections of the light of Ajib, that if you do Simran quite frequently during the day, as often as you can to spiritualize your regular everyday daily life, your, your daily workaday world, when you sit for meditation, you immediately get to the inner light and the inner sound. Because you haven't really been in a form of existence devoid of spirituality for countless hours and then are trying to become spiritual You know, during your meditation. You have a degree of spirituality going on in your life. And so when you sit for meditation, it's much quicker, it's much easier to get to the third eye center to get to the inner light and to get to the inner sound. Good advice from the light of Ajeb.
Simran practice, the way of bhakti, approaching this path of the masters in a spirit of bhakti, ingredients of a living spiritual path, seven Gnostic Santmat parallels, a kind of overview of the great masters of the ages and what the master does, being the catalyst to help stimulate your own inner light and sound experience. I will give you what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. A description of uh, the masters, a list even, some, some different lists of some of the great saints of the centuries that are in this category of Santmat. The mystery of saying 17, how that saying originally attributed to Jesus works its way east, you know, and turns up in other texts, which is quite amazing. And I wish to conclude where I began with this wonderful quote from Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj on inner light and sound meditation, Surat Shabd Yoga. The experience of the divine light and divine sound are the arms of God which embrace the aspirant who practices them as a child is embraced by the two arms of his father. My name is James Bean. Visit my website, spiritualawakeningradio.com. This podcast is also now available through Apple Podcasts, as well as archive.org. I upload them there, so those are downloadable versions of this program. Tune in again next week at this same time for another edition of the Santmat Satsang Podcast, a production of Spiritual Awakening Radio.